Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm, and today is Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. This is episode 167, and it is without a doubt one of the most significant interviews yet. I am honored to have Chicago legend Danny Deal on the show, and it was such a blast doing this in person live at the Moxie Hotel in downtown Chicago. Danny is a multi-hyphenate who has cut her teeth in the industry as a DJ, producer, journalist, editorial director, and has recently been elected as the president of the Recording Academy's Chicago chapter. Needless to say, she's one of the most notable leaders in the music industry and has worked extremely hard to get to where she is today. We had so many great conversation topics in episode 167. Of course, one of the main topics was Chicago. Born and raised in Chicago, Danny has firsthand seen and been part of the impact the city has made on a local and global scale. We chatted about her early warehouse rave days in the 90s, house music influence on today's generation, and the incredible amount of diversity and industry camaraderie that exists here. Side note, I drink a Chicago handshake, which is Malort and Old Style, to prove my commitment to the city. You'll have to watch to see my reaction. We also talked about the Danny perspective. As someone who is deeply involved in both the creative and business sides of the music industry, Danny has a particularly unique perspective on virtually every topic in the game. We discuss her experiences and point of view on topics like women in EDM, the pandemic, succeeding as an independent artist, and so much more. We also had a great conversation on how to get involved and give back to the music community. Danny gives back in so many ways and is passionate about spreading the word on how people can make a meaningful impact in music. She gave us a breakdown on her goals as president of the Chicago Chapters Recording Academy, changing the status quo for women in the LGBTQ community in music, and how to best contribute to the music economy. I know I was fired up when we were talking about some of this stuff, and I hope you guys are too. Danny has been on the Sherman the Booth guest list since day one, and I can't begin to tell you how much this interview means to me. There are many reasons why I look up to her, but the biggest is because she genuinely loves what she does, and her voice rings loud in the music community. Thank you so much to the Moxie Hotel, the Music Trust, Dynasty Podcast, and of course the attendees for helping make this such an amazing experience. Danny, you're the best, and I've got so much love and respect for you. Let's get into it right now so you guys can watch me take a Chicago handshake for yourselves. This is episode 167 with Danny Deal. You want, should we start with a little stand-up comedy right now? <laughs> kind of feeling it right now. What's the deal with airplanes, huh? What's the deal with TSA? You guys got global entry? I know Danny's got global entry. People Mine's need to do expired, it. though. I've got to get back on that. Yeah. I'm a little, little, I don't work for Chase, but if you guys get Chase Sapphire Reserve, it's free TSA pre-check. Maya, is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's global Okay, there's literally, there's no other worthwhile card on the market except for the Chase Sapphire Reserve. That's, That's fact. It. 
Thank you for coming today. That's all we have to say. Thank you for coming to our yeah. talk. Yeah. <laughs> the cool thing with that too is if you lose your phone, I lost my phone multiple times. I give you a five hundred dollars check. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Every single time. They have so I many bits of travel insurance. All my college furniture on that. When we went to a party, they gave us a refund for everything. Yeah. Wow. American just lost our luggage on a trip last week, oh, and they reimbursed us. That's nice. I'm still waiting on a check from American. <laughs> That's impressive, though. I, I flew Spirit for the first time I'm recently. sorry. Uh, we thought literally all the luggage was going to come out. Like, we landed and it was like... Duh, 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 now I hear my mails have very low <laughs> sound there. I was very concerned. In fact, everybody started looking at each other like, I think the luggage is going to fall out and it's really going to hurt. But we're all in this together. So wait, how many extra things did you wind up paying for on your Spirit flight? What a scam. Mm -hmm. Really? I was like, wow, 200 bucks to Myrtle Beach? No problem. That sounds pretty good. Round trip. Oh, 45 bucks for the seat. Oh, 45 bucks for the suitcase. I think we're going to split. And we did. Yeah. Yeah. Then you not have to, a good deal. to print out your ticket when you get to the airport. Yeah, it's not a good deal. No. What? A, you know what? What? <laughs> Don't we, fly we Spirit. A, get a Chase Sapphire Preserve. Preserve. Reserve, yeah, we have a we have a spirit defender in the audience. It looks like. Who's you? Flynn. Yeah, Flynn. I see him. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I like, yeah, I bet, I bet, yeah, I bet, I bet, five outfits here, like laptop, headphones, everything. Set spirit. Good. Tiny seats, from tiny guy. So. Tiny seats, tiny guy. Let me just get a cocktail. Then you're good to go, right? See, you just sounded super Chicago there too. God damn it, Danny. Cocktail. Oh, yeah, I said camera, <laughs> cocktail. <laughs> really wasn't intentional. Anyway, I did want to start up with a stand-up comedy joke. Just kidding. That's the last, last joke. Last joke. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming today. I really appreciate it. I'm um, sitting here with legitimately one of my biggest inspirations, and I mean oh, that. I really, though, Danny, I may not remember three years ago, I waited in line for about an hour to introduce myself to you at a DJ meetup, and it was worth it. And it was worth it. Oh, the one, it was in the basement of... Of Replay. Of Replay, that's right. Yep. And I remember that was such a weird, not a weird time for me, but it feels weird how long ago it was. Because you know Haley House, who now lives in Los Angeles. Oh, do I know Haley House? And I had just interviewed her, and I was like, this is a perfect, warm intro. Mm -hmm. I can go up to Danny and say, hey, <laughs> I just interviewed Haley House. You know her. So nervous, little half-Jewish guy walking up to Danny <laughs> Deal, like, trying to be a podcaster. <laughs> You know, that was like, that was like three years ago. And this is episode 166, guys. Pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the Moxie Hotel. Shout out to these people who are so confused at what's going on. <laughs> How you doing? Just give them a What's your name? I'll be fine. Yeah, I'm looking at you. What's your name? It's okay. <laughs> Anne? I'm Katie. Katie? Is that DJ Sure? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> you know, no, who? No, somebody told you to say that. Did you? Oh! Wow. All right! That's pretty cool. I am famous. Now it's someone else's chance to get a DJ meet and greet with you. Yeah, 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 that's right. Now somebody's going to wait in the line for an hour to talk to me. That backfired in the best way possible. It really did, yeah. <laughs> Dug myself a hole in that lady. Brought me out. Thank you so much, Katie. I already forgot her name. Yeah, Katie. That was Katie. Katie, not Anne. Sorry, that was like, you know. 
<laughs> I get it mixed up. Well, really, though, Danny, thank you so much for coming today. It means so much. You're probably one of the busiest people in general. And, um, well, I'm really excited about this. It means a lot. Me too. Yeah, you're excited too? Of course I am. Hell yeah. Let's get a cheers really quick. Everybody in the crowd. That's wow, right. That's a fancy glass. I like it. It is a fancy That's why I got it. I thought it looked a little better for camera. I had a beer and I was like, I'm going to get a whiskey. Mm. That's good. That's right. That's right. But um, really, Danny, when I, when I say you're one of my biggest inspirations, I mean that. And it's for one simple reason. There's a lot of reasons, but you've called yourself a multi-hyphenate in the past before. Yeah. And yes, I did my research, by the way. So I'm just going to get that out of the way right I'm now. I'm so glad we get to skip over some of this. This is nice. Yeah, no, I'm not going to ask where you're from. We know where you're from. We're in Chicago right now. You're a true Chicagoan. But you're a multi-hyphenate, and that's someone who's skilled professional in many things. And I'm, I'm not nearly as skilled as Danny, but she inspires me because she's a DJ, producer, journalist, editorial director, blogger, newly elected president of the Recording Academy of Chicago's chapter. Let's go. That's amazing. And that's just the professional side. She's also a badass wife. She's also a Chicagoan and a lover of creative arts and music. And cats. And cats and oh, I'm so glad you said that. I almost forgot where my dog socks. Those are amazing. Those are my dogs. That's uh, Fiona and Lola. Wait, your actual dogs? Actual dogs, yeah. Get out. Shout out to my girlfriend Maya. We came with the idea to give me, my brother, and my dad dog socks. My dad wears them so much, it's almost freaky. It's like three, four times a week. And I know my mom is not doing that much laundry these days, so. Wow, I need to pick up my game. I need crouton socks. Yeah, you're cr your like cat's yesterday. name is Crouton? Mm-hmm. Pretty famous cat. I mean, she's all right. She runs my Twitch. She's yeah? My, she's my mod on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I'd like to get my golden retrievers a little involved, but they're not as, nearly as smart as cats. <laughs> yeah. But they love you. They do love me. Yeah, my mom sends me pictures. Actually, I, I can bring it up right now, but it's literally one of my dogs looking at her like this. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Lola? <laughs> I'm not sure. Is it time for dinner again? Nope. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, Danny is a very famous Chicagoan. We're going to take a trip down memory lane. You ready for this? Let's do it. What is your favorite venue in Chicago oh. that you played that's no longer around? Okay, I mean, okay, I think there's probably at least one person here that can answer this for me. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? Close. Close. That's a second. It's an all-time classic. It is a evil hour. Oh, yeah. Played last weekend. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> evil olive. Yeah. Some good times there. I mean, good. Memorable. What Memorable. night of the week was the best night to be at Evil Olive? Please, everyone in unison. Mondays. Mondays. <laughs> Mondays. Probably we'd be pre-gaming after this to go to Evil Olive. That's right. Was still around. Yes. I miss that place so much. I had some hilarious times there too. Oh really? What was your most hilarious time? Okay, Evil Danny, Olive? I'm interviewing you. Don't don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good one. Uh, but. <laughs> I have had a lot of good times there, and I've had so many people on the podcast, Don Brown, Fi, your husband, uh, of course, yeah. people that really were able to, I mean, for lack of a better term, blow their careers up because of the Evil Olive. I mean, I mean, look, props, all the props to Evil Olive, because yeah. they let us be professional degenerates in a way that <laughs> no respectable nightclub would ever allow yeah. us to do it in the same way. It, it just would not happen again. I, yeah. 
I feel so bad when I think back to all of the parties that we threw or the janitorial staff. The janitorial staff? Wow. Yes, for management. For I mean, we ruined that venue every Monday night. <laughs> And they were okay with it. Like if there was um if there was a, a Lawrence of Arabia theme, we would put sand on the floor. That's gross. Yeah, it's like a frat basement. You had to do it. They they did uh they did one where it was blade themed. Do you remember the blood ray from Blade? Of course. So they took garden hose and they poked holes all along the garden hose, ran it over the top of the dance floor oh and fed red dyed water through it to replicate the blood ray. This was the kind of stuff that we did every single week. And that place was standing and somehow did not burn down. Yeah, I don't know. It was unbelievable. Yeah. That, that's probably a great answer. Can we give a massive shout-out, though, to the mid once again, but also Excalibur. Woo. And where you've had some of your previous residencies, Le Passage, Sushi Samba. Oh, wow. Joy Blue, Cherry Red. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I really did do my research. You yeah. really yeah. did. Oh, I went deep. Yeah, I got my first residency was uh, Cherry, Cherry, Brett, was it called Cherry, Cherry Red? Red? Cherry Red, Joy Blue, yeah. thank you. <laughs> it was so long ago. But, um, so I lied to get in the door. I was with a group of people. They were like, oh, we know the, the general manager. And I was like, I'm totally 21. He totally yeah. wasn't. And I, I told the manager, I said, look, I will come and I'll DJ for you for free. And if you like it, then you can pay me to come back again. There you go. Yeah, and Smart. it worked out, and that was actually my first residency for the first year or two of my professional DJ So tour. how old were you at that point? Because you played your like first 17. gig at 17, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you were just like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to figure this out? Yeah. What a different time in Chicago, too, though. I mean, sure, you could probably do that now. I you think? think? Yeah, yeah, you might be able to. Yeah. I mean, there, we know, there are plenty of venues where you can just walk in through the back door and yeah. nobody's checking anything. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> We're not naming names, but they're out there. We're not naming them. names. They're out there. <laughs> Chicago's still the same in a lot of different ways. So one thing I, of course, want to bring up with you and Chicago in, in many different ways, but Chicago house music and, and the culture that it started. Before we really get into the roots... Where we're at right now with house music is a very, very special time because I've been a passionate house music fan for, I mean, probably since I started DJing. The first electronic music song that I really remember like, loving was Brazil by Dead Mouse. And that was more deep house, but it was still house music at its core, and I wanted to expand upon that. I'm going to give you some breadth on that definition of deep house, but sure. True. Well, what would you, melodic house? What would you call, what would you call Brazil? Yeah, melodic house. Well, that was my high school self thinking this is house music, or somebody telling me this is house music at least. But at least I started with Dead Mouse and not something way more intense or what a lot of my friends started with, which was, no offense, but dubstep, mm. which is pretty intense. I love dubstep. I love dubstep too, yeah. but I couldn't start with that. Couldn't get into it. Wasn't like, okay, yeah, I love rap music, but I also love dubstep. I love it all. <laughs> you love it all? That's I true. I love it all. You, you do love it all. You do love it all. But... It's so crazy because I feel like since I've gotten into electronic music, at least, especially as a podcaster, I've interviewed so many different types of musicians, people in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, on the stage, all that stuff. And now I'm seeing house music bigger than ever. I mean, you just opened up for Fisher and Chris Lake in Arizona. It looks like an incredible show. I think a lot of people forget Chris Lake made Boneless with Tujamo and Steve Aoki. Right. Which was a huge song and really redefined a whole new style of music. Yeah. It's taking a long time for him to get where he's at right now, which it's is true. doing a massive show. Yeah. Why do you think house music is bigger than ever before right now? 
That's a really good question. I will say also, as a house lover, this is my only tattoo. Yeah. And that is the acapella from Mojo's Lady Hear Me Tonight. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, It was the first record I decided to buy for myself when I said I'm going to be a DJ. Wow. And so I made the acapella version of it. I separated it, and that's the line where they say, I feel love for the first time. Because I felt like that that would always be true for me. I was always hesitant on getting a tattoo because I thought, what if things fluctuate? I'm not the same person in 10 years. But that, to (laughs) me, would never change. I feel love for the first time. I would always feel that about house music. And since the only ink on my body. That said, I feel like everything is cyclical. And we also have to recognize the house music that was popular that came out of here 20, 30, 40 years ago even is not the same music that we're listening to now, right? It's right. you can't even really compare like Honey Dijon, for example, to John Summit. Yeah. Those are t- technically those both fall into the same bucket of house music, but they're not the same artists. I mean, the same that you might find Charlie XCX and Fall Out Boy on the same radio station. They're both pop music, but are they the same genre? Absolutely not, right? So we're seeing a, a version, another version, another iteration of house music come about. Um, it's interesting because I didn't think that this would be the next genre to hit a big. Yeah. I really thought we were going to see a resurgence of big room or electro before yeah. we saw a soulful or melodic or tropical house come yeah. back. Yeah. Especially because we had the whole Kygo wave and I was like over that and I feel like a lot of people were <laughs> Thank back. you for saying that. Yeah, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I really don't, I, I really don't know why people's sentiments are going that way, um, but it feels like people are going toward it harder than ever because a lot of those songs are on the cusp of being big or should have been big last year, and the opportunity was missed, yeah. and so everybody is going back into it ten times harder like they love the songs 10 times more than they did last year and it's accelerating the popularity so true i'm not mad at that no i'm not mad at that either and like i said i mean maybe our definitions of house or at least the younger version of myself is much different (laughs) you can call me out later for that make me take a shot of malort um why i don't know why why i just did that to myself that was so stupid. You just committed. If they have it here, they do. Just... I saw it. It's been making eye contact with me all night, actually. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just gonna say when we're when you are taking a shot of more in an hour, it's not my fault. All right. <laughs> so far, I'm getting interviewed. It feels like a little bit. <laughs> That's okay though. That's okay. I feel like my perspective too. Just about to be 29 years old. Still have a lot to learn about music. But I feel like my generation, at least millennials, we got into the electro, the progressive, the big room. We wanted to keep going to the festivals. I'm hungover for four days sometimes these days. I can't do it like I used to. But I still love having a good time. But when I go to house music events and house music festivals, I don't have to headbang or jump up and down the entire time. I can go to a three-day movement festival. Speak for yourself. When I was in Arizona three weeks ago, I was out until the sun came up. Maybe I just suck. I know other people get hungover like I do, all right? No, I, I mean, I was hungover, but there's, 
there's some mechanism in me where if I have to go the next day, then I'm like, yeah. okay, you only got three hours of sleep, but it doesn't matter. I'm like a shark, right? You yeah. just keep moving because if you stop, you die. So that's what? the mentality I have. You just keep going. Like I said, I have a lot to learn. <laughs> But it's just been really interesting because I have a lot of friends that were so into that type of music, and now they're just like, actually, I just want to dance. I don't want to jump. And I think if you Okay, can... so what's your opinion on fan clackers? Fan clackers? I fucking hate them with a passion. <laughs> In fact, you know what? While I'm on the topic of fan clappers, I don't like when the smoke comes out because I can't hear the drop. Oh, I love that. Really? Wait, is this something people have feelings about? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's been my experience as well. Interesting. Yeah, CO, CO2. I love CO2. This is interesting, though, because maybe from my perspective, I'm not hearing it from the crowds. I have the monitors on blast the entire time, so I don't get anything drowned out. Interesting. People are hitting the fan clackers, and I'm getting sprayed with CO2. God, I sound like such a bitch. I am got... Maybe I should get that shot of Malort right now. Yeah, we let's, let's get it done. I didn't say it. Either. Yeah, we got to sack up right now. We're like 10 minutes into this shit, and I already have just... Okay. Let's do better, Matt. Anyway, Danny, so I think it's been so cool because you have a really unique perspective on Chicago House. I mean, you started going to raves in the 90s in Chicago, and that was shortly yeah. after it really was yeah. birthed. I mean, there's a legendary venue that's not here anymore, but the building is still there, the warehouse down there, mm-hmm. next to the former Al's Beef, Great Al's Beef. Yep. But when I go there, and I stood there recently, and I made my girlfriend go there, and she was like, what is this place? It's a law firm. I'm like standing there looking at him like I can smell Frankie Knuckles sweat. Have you gotten a picture with the sign with the street sign? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great, and I just it? like now that I've gotten so much more into house music and interview people like Ghetto Blaster who are like so pivotal pivotal and just know exactly what happened. And I think it's really cool because you were part of that scene. Oh yeah. No, I spent many afternoons and evenings at Paul's house in Indiana yeah. when, when I was in college. Yeah. Making music with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's such there's and it's so cool because there's still so many OGs here. Gene Ferris, of course, who I know you're good friends yeah. with. Green Velvet, Lee Foss. Yep. And then there's the OGs, of course. I mentioned Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, Chippy, Farley, Jack, Master Funk. Like mm-hmm. those are guys that like I want to educate people like here, and you guys might know who they are. But they're oh my god! I looked at the shadow more. Is that a chaser? What is? Old oh, a Chicago handshake. <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> All right. I've well, never heard that before, but that's hilarious. You never heard Chicago handshake? No. Am I having more Chicago moment than you right now? Yeah, I think you are. We're going to wait on that. Give me one sec. Let's not right now. Let me also, fit, I had a great bless question. you for only bringing up one shot of Malort. <laughs> bless you, Maya. <laughs> this is pretty good stand-up comedy right now. I feel like it's not bad. Anyway, I got totally off track there. Thank you, Maya. I just think it's so cool because I want to educate people like my younger brother, who's three years younger than me, and he loves house music, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. What's your perspective on the time when it was in the mid-90s into the 2000s, got shipped off to Europe and came back? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think we all know the story. When house music started, it was yeah. for a lot of political reasons. It was for socioeconomic reasons. Um, I think that dance music at its core is political. Yeah. And 
do I think that it's important that somebody understand the history of house music in order to truly appreciate and understand it? Probably not. That's me standing on a hill, and I don't know if that's the hill that I want to die on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you, if you choose to allow yourself to be educated about the depth of history that comes from this niche genre yeah. of dance music, you are opened up to so much emotion, so much history, um, so much lineage that comes from not just this city, but from Detroit, from all of these places around the country that have contributed to this narrative that allows us to go to a place yeah. like Arizona, to a 10K cap, to experience yeah. Chris Lake and Fisher, but that wouldn't have happened if it were not for the people that did events and made music that created safe spaces for folks that were not welcome in traditional outlets at the time. Like, yeah. we stand on the backs of black folks, of Hispanic folks, of the LGBTQ community. Like, we would not be here having this discussion if it were not for them. So true. And I know you had a real personal connection to the rave scene because when you were in high school, you were a bit of an outcast, and that was really where you found who you are, your identity, would you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the first time I went to a rave, one of the first people that I ran into was my bully from grade school. No way. Yeah, wearing fairy wings. <laughs> we're unlocking some memories tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Plur. That's insane. Yeah, plur, bro. That's awesome. And that's what it's all about, and I see that more and more these days. You mentioned sort of the musical elements, and I want to get into the production side of that. Mm -hmm. If you look at Chicago house music, it's piano, it's soulful vocals, mm -hmm. and then you can't forget about Detroit. These were really coming together at the same time. Detroit, I mentioned movement. Mm -hmm. This is dark. This is deep. This is lots of percussion. Mm -hmm. And when you go to these shows, you feel something, right? It's a musical element. It creates that visceral experience. What are some of your favorite parts of those styles of music that really help create that environment? Oh, interesting. Are we talking Detroit? Are we talking Chicago? Whatever, like, both, we... yeah. I like both of them. Could you, could you restate the question and narrow it down? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, I'm saying that within each genre of music, yeah. there are musical elements sure. that help create the visceral experience, whether oh. it be the bass line, the vocals. Drums. 100% drums. drums. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love snares and... and any drum that sits in the mid to upper range, I love really complicated fills. Yeah. I've always been a drum person. I love tribal house. I still have all of my vinyl. Like, mm -hmm. old era Robbie Rivera was my jam. That, wow, that Robbie Rivera. I haven't heard that name in too long. Yeah. That, that is what I love. Like, a great, a great melody, a great top line that's nice, mm -hmm. but good shuffled drums will get me every single time. Yes, I agree. Percussion is what it's all about. Because yeah. bass lines, for the most part, are pretty simple. Three to four mini notes, and mm -hmm. you get the movement in there. I mean, I make songs with this guy all the time, and I try and overcomplicate the process a lot. And he tells me, he's like, dude, it's all about the percussion, baby. Dude, we all do. We all he's, do. He's on my stream a lot. You know, one of the pieces of feedback I give to most people is, like, stop overthinking it. Yeah. Exactly. Take stuff out. Yeah. It's easy to overthink it, too, right? Oh, 100%. Especially because you're listening to the same thing over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, the producer, you're not sure what's good anymore. Disclosure did an incredible Twitch stream where they shared how they made F for You, which is one of my favorite house music songs of all time. Mm -hmm. And I think his name is Guy. I can't remember. I, I believe it was Guy. And he was running through his Logic project, 
he had no bot plugins. He was using all Apple install. And he was yeah. like, wow, well, I was actually trying to impress people a lot with this, but I guess this is all I did. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, and I'm like... Most people that I talk to, their yeah. hit song was made in an afternoon. So true. Mm -hmm. Because you get into flow state, and then you yeah. stop overthinking stuff, and you stop trying to tune your fucking snare for an hour. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And you just focus on getting the gist of the song, the, yeah. the emotion of the song out, and yeah. the rest of it can wait for later. Yeah. I'm blanking on his name right now, and I can't believe that, but on your... Um, Future of Music that you did on The Verge, mm -hmm. did an interview, uh, the producer... Oakfelder? Yes, Oakfelder, thank you. And the whole entire conversation you have with him is based upon the fact that he makes his music on the run, on his uh -huh. laptop, and he doesn't have to use this world-class studio. Yeah, no, he just uses Logic. Straight up. We have the same studio monitors, he, him and me. Yeah, I yeah. saw that, I was like... I don't even know if he has those on books or anything. Like, he's no. just, like, doing his thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's crazy because I think when you try and become a producer, you're like, I have to be in the studio. I have to be able to EQ everything. I have all the volume levels, but you I mean, don't. it's nice. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was I was playing um, on Twitch the other night, and I was digging back into some old Bloghouse stuff and bringing Blog up house. some really old Felix Cartel remixes. And it banged. Like, it's so good. Like, this yes. stuff from 10, 12 years ago, and I could play it in a set now, and it would still sound contemporary. Yeah. Um, so there is there's 100% value in knowing your tools and knowing how to engineer and knowing how to master. But the burden, I think, of a lot of dance music producers is that we are taught, uh, whether it's by looking at what other people are doing online yeah. or just by school of thought, that we have to do everything nose to tail. We have to be the ones that come up with the idea. We have to be the ones that put the polish on it on the at the end. Yeah. And that's not the case. Like you shouldn't have to do all of that. Like cool, yeah. know your tools, but there is value in handing off your track to another set of ears mm -hmm. that can look at it objectively and make changes that you wouldn't know how to do. Completely agree. And I've had a lot of good conversations on the topic of the music economy. A lot of people can come up with the idea, whether it be a collaboration with somebody else to finish. Some people are really good at mastering. Mm -hmm. Some people are really good at starting tracks. Some people are really good at percussion. Yeah. And some people are really good at helping with distribution. You don't have to do it all on your own. Some people are really good at being conductors. And yeah. They don't even need to know the technical parts of the process, but yeah. they know what needs to be changed in a track. Yep. And we all should be getting paid for the things that we're good at, guys. Don't forget that, okay? Find out what you're good at. Market that. Market that. So, Danny, we're talking about live shows that you've been killing she played this sick show by the way at offshore oh my god and it looks so dope open for it is gonna be the venue of the summer yeah not even kidding how was it oh i was so the reason why i wore my sunglasses during my <laughs> set was because i was so nervous <laughs> you were nervous yeah because i haven't played i haven't played an event where i was eye level with the crowd right they're there for a really long time yeah and it was daytime and it, it was hot and so i was like i don't know how i'm gonna look by the end of this yeah um but no it was amazing that venue 100 percent every thursday you all should be there it is super fucking cool it's yeah. at the tail end of navy pier on the rooftop so you get views of the lake almost 360 around you and then the main part where they have the dj booth is encased in glass 
So you feel like you're in a greenhouse cool. on top of Navy Pier. And it's house music every Thursday. Like, that place is so busy all the time. Yeah. They couldn't even get it for weekends. They were like, not nah, we're good. But you can have Thursdays. <laughs> I think it's North America's largest outdoor bar, actually. Yeah, it yeah. is. Chicago, maybe. That's pretty cool, though. That was amazing. But was that was great. one of your first live shows back in a year and a half. And for so many other people, mm -hmm. we're looking to get opportunities we're looking to get label releases everybody's hungry right now yep but i believe there's a lot to learn from the past year and a half a lot of silver linings i hate that pandemic. you hate the silver linings no i hate framing the pandemic in terms of silver linings because yeah. i think there are a lot of folks that did not have silver linings absolutely yeah um and i think there are a lot of people like the fact that even though I went through a lot of really horrible shit last year, mm -hmm. a lot of private shit that people don't know about, yeah. it wasn't like I was on the verge of losing my home. It wasn't right. like I was forced into a job where I had to interface with people every day that were yelling at me because they thought that wearing a mask was political, for example, yeah, oh right? Yeah. Like, there were certain things that I was afforded in my life that allowed me to just burrow in and get through. But there are so many people out there where 2020... There was no silver lining. They, yeah. it, it just fucking sucked. Like, yeah. and I think that just accepting that shit sucked last year is fine. Like, that's totally okay. And rather than silver lining, I think yeah. it's better. Um, I think silver lining for me, I guess the TLDRs. I think it's like a privileged thing to say like, for you to be able to say like Absolutely. there was a silver lining to right. the pandemic. True. So I think it's better for at least for me to say like, you know, what, what, did, how did I grow individually or like how did I change uh, how do I behave differently yeah. in 2021 versus when this all started yeah and like there was a tweet that I put up the other day and actually he, he saw it um, yeah and I was like you know there's a few things that I'm going to change going forward you know one of them is like I'm going to ask if I'll wait for this to pass hello Chicago yeah. like one of those things was from now on, oh, of course it's going to get louder now. Great. <laughs> we are downtown Chicago at the Moxie Hotel. It's a fire station right next door. Is there really? Yeah, it's right down there. Oh, yeah. well, then that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like from now on, I'm going to make sure to ask people if they want a hug before I give them a hug. Just yeah. little things like that. Um, if somebody does not get back to me, I'm not going to take it personally. Because nine times out of ten, they're probably going through some pretty intense shit in their life. And yeah. they don't have the bandwidth to get back to me. It has nothing to do with me or what I bring to the table emotionally. Yeah. Like, so I think that there are like ways that I grew as a person. But I wouldn't call that a silver lining. Absolutely. And I love that perspective, too. And I appreciate you maybe opening my mind to that. Because I guess I do have a job. I have a day job. And... I know that was, a, honestly, I was able to really hunker down and focus on that, and it gave me the balance in my life because right before the pandemic, I played, like, the biggest gig I'd ever had at the Aragon opening for Galantis, and I was like, boom, we're good. I'm quitting my job. This is it. No. Like, I needed that perspective because during the pandemic, for me, I spent more time with my girlfriend. I hung out with my family so much more. I got to know really who I am and my long-term goals. And with the podcast as well, I was able to expand my footprint on a global level because I love doing in-person interviews, but there's so much more to learn out there. And without that, I may not have gotten that perspective. So I, I do resonate with what you're saying there, for real. 
Yeah. I mean, and for me, it was pretty much the opposite. I lost family. Yeah. I lost work. Um, my world became very, very small. Yeah. For, for a long time and in a way that I've never had to contend with before. Yeah. It was really difficult. I'm sorry to hear that. I appreciate you being honest about that. Yeah. That's tough. And I think a lot of people experience pandemic in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I guess now I'm just glad to be doing these types of things in person again and sharing yeah. our stories and being honest about what happened, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we are a community. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, even being here in person, every time I enter a building without a mask, I am at once in the state of bewilderment. But yeah. also it feels like no time has passed at all. Yeah. Both of those emotions coexist at the same so time. So true. Which is really weird. I think we're probably all feeling that a little bit right now. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I literally still walk out the door. I'm vaccinated, and every time I go somewhere, I'm like, well, I think I'm going to bring my mask because I'm just so used to that. Mm -hmm. It's like a life I'm more used to than being normal again. Yeah, the week after the CDC lifted everything and they said, okay, for vaccinated, yeah. do all the things. So <laughs> I told Fi, I was like, okay, we should probably take a walk around the neighborhood because yeah. you haven't interacted with anyone over the past year except literally me and hospital staff. <laughs> So you should probably learn what it's like to just be around people again. And I've never, he was such a space cadet. We were walking on the sidewalk and he didn't have a mask on and he still wanted to avoid all the people that were walking by us. And I was yeah. like, I was, I was like, five, five, like focus up. Like, come on. You're like, I had to stop. He was almost walking into light posts. Like, wow. Yeah. It was, it was overwhelming for him. I mean, he's a pretty interpersonal guy, too. Like, he knows how to talk to people. That's yeah, it's wild. It's How's he, is he good skill. now? He's getting there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took him to prison when I played the other. The other yeah, game. he looked like he was having a great time. Oh, he had a good time. <laughs> I sent him some videos when I played, too, and he was like, I got the, I got the itch. Oh, he yelled at me the next day. He was like, why did you make me take four shots of Malheur? I'm like, I did no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> you made some poor choices. That's not on me. Oh, marriage sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, Danny, one of the one of the main reasons as well why you're so inspiring to me is because you're truly self-made. You literally organize your own tour. Show me your kitties, correct? And can we just acknowledge how great of a tour name that is? Show me your kitties. <laughs> Unbelievable. You pitched an article to Herb, URB, a long time ago, and that was your first opportunity to get a freelance job. Yep. You also worked your way up to becoming the president of the Recording Academy Chicago chapter, yes. right? That's something you've done on your own, developed relationships. Yeah. You also said in an interview, it costs nothing to be nice, and yep. it doesn't. Mm -hmm. What would be your advice to me and a lot of the people here who are trying to build their name? Yeah, um, one of the things that I said in my TED Talk, which will always resonate, I think, forever. This yeah. timeless advice is um, if you are faced with an opportunity, you might be scared to, to ask. I mean, we're all in those positions, right? Like, you were nervous to come and talk to me about DJ. I'm <laughs> nervous to talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if, regardless of whether you're nervous or you're scared or you think maybe you're not qualified enough or wh whatever the hindrances are, in your head that are trying to prevent you from getting to that opportunity, shush them for a moment and make the ask. Because if you don't open your mouth and if you don't make the ask, you will never know if that answer could have been yes. The answer could be no, 
but you will never know if you don't speak up if the answer could have been yes. And to me, that is truly powerful, is just knowing how to speak up for yourself, knowing how to just talk, communicate, build trustworthy relationships, and make the ask. I mean, truly, it, it's a practice. You have to practice doing it. It doesn't come easy overnight. No. It doesn't. But you would be surprised how far you can get simply by asking the question. That's it. Yeah. I love that. Simple advice, but there's so much truth to it. No. Yeah, it's true. I mean, most, most of the opportunities I've gotten in life have really not been because somebody opened a door for me, but because I came knocking on the door. Yeah. Yeah. Slid in the DM. She's li- I mean, she literally has built herself up, guys, and it's incredibly impressive. I want to acknowledge you that. For real. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Great crowd. I mean, another really great example, the, the remix I did on Armada, Ping Pong. Yes. That was unsolicited. Was it? Yeah. I was having a shitty day, so I went to SoundCloud, and I was listening to that song, and I realized in the breakdown... That sound is isolated. It goes to complete silence, and then it's just... So I resampled it. I took the one instance, rewrote the melody, made the track in an afternoon, just to to get my mind off of all the shitty stuff that was going on that day. And I was like, oh, you know what? This isn't half bad. So I hit up the guys at Armada, and they signed it a week later, and they made it official. It's the one and only twerk song that's ever been released on our model. <laughs> Arvin Van Buren Ping Pong, the Danny Deal twerk remix. Yeah. Premiered at Evil Outlook. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that actually is a, such a dope remix, though. Thank you. I like it, Our motto was, I mean, the fans were not happy. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? Yeah. Was that good? That wasn't good. Twerk and Trap fans were happy, but the diehard Armada fans were not happy. (laughs) That was really cool because that remix in particular, it got um, such global reach. That was the first time where I had, like, dance crews in Korea that were making video, like, choreographed videos to the song. and. It, it was really cool to see how it touched all of these people's lives, literally in every corner of the planet. Amazing. Yeah. Every corner of the planet. That's Armada, baby. Twerking. Twerking. <laughs> were they were the Koreans twerking? Were the Asians twerking? Oh yes. That is. I'll a... show it to you after the interview. Okay. Yeah. Cool. God, that Malort shot just looked at me. <laughs> I mean, you said it. Now you have to do it. Right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Malort face. Okay, guys. <laughs> Drum roll. Chicago handshake. <laughs> Just wait. You know it kicks in like three to five seconds afterward. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. God. I was not supposed to. Uh, I was going to say, oh, God, and then edit that out later, but we're not going to be able to do that. That's okay. Switching you held topics. it together pretty well. It's actually kind of a weirdly good taste. Like a little bit of gasoline, like, you know what I mean? Like, if you like When that... have you ever been like, you know what I could really go for right now? <laughs> a little bit of gasoline. Okay, well, like, I awkwardly like the smell of an indoor pool, and I know there are people that like the smell of gasoline. Isn't that true? Is that true? It's all right. It's all right? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's mids, bro. Yeah, no, I don't, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, God. That shit just brought something weird out of me. <laughs> That's okay. Anyway. Danny, I was listening to your interview with Willie Joy. Oh, that's one of my favorite. Who's also, a, he's like doing what I'm trying to do on a much larger level. I listen to every single one. 
and I loved your interview with them. They had so many great topics, and there was one thing that really stuck out to me, and it's something that you gave me an incredible perspective on. It's you don't like the term personal brand. Why is no. that? Um, because I think it decouples you from being a human being. Yeah. And I, I think that there is, uh, there's marketing around aspects maybe of your personality or things that you like. And right. then everyone knows I like bacon and I like cats. So cool. I'm going to lean on that. I can get into gonna, that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but if you call your personality your personal brand, mm -hmm. then it, you're really forgetting who you are and it takes you out of the moment it takes you out of your relationships i think that it makes it so you can't actually have true connections with people in the industry or frankly with your fan base yeah mm -hmm. i agree i think that's the truth of it i think so many people i've learned from one guy said to me an artist is the brand and the brand is the business and i'm like that's a lot to digest man you know yeah. <laughs> like, i'm just a guy who likes house music and i guess shots more but I agree with you. I really yeah, do. No, it's like what? My personal brand is that I stand up for equality. Like, no, that's just no. an ethical pillar that We're I did. Right? Yeah, exactly. We're human. I'm a human it's being, really no more, and that's no what less. I stand for. That's yeah. it. I love that. Yeah. I really do. And I, I wanted to ask you that because I think so many people get caught up in trying to. The brand is the superficial stuff. The brand yeah. is the output. The brand is the yeah. merch. The brand is the flyer, right? That That is the brand. But you are not the brand. Like, yep. what's in here is not the brand. And I think that we need to get that straight. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. You mentioned your TED Talk, um, which I thought was incredibly powerful. I'd seen it before, and I watched it again recently, and I, I got emotional. I'm not really sure why. I did. Because it's staggering that it was seven years ago. And, I and feel it's like still this, relevant. It's still relevant, and the stats really haven't changed. And for those that haven't watched this... Um, she gave a TED Talk on women, STEM, and EDM and discussed some of the factors and societal constructs that have created roadblocks for women in dance music. This stat really freaked me out. 93% of recorded dance music is male. That probably hasn't changed. Five marginally. Marginally. 5% of ultra music lineup is female. This one was like crazy. Only two female DJs in the DJ Mac Top 100. Yeah, that's also marginally changed. Yeah, I, it's just... I don't know, it's crazy to me because I love so many female DJs and in my head as someone in the music industry, I'm surprised that it's not more and I want to know how we can help. How, how can we change that on a local level, on a national level, on a global level? If what do we do? Well, I, it's very, for someone like you. Yeah, give me advice. Yes, um, every white dude should take the opportunity to put on minorities as often as possible. Yes. If you know of women artists, POC artists, artists of color, you should be shouting from the rooftop, you should be sharing those people with your friends, you should be including them in playlists, you should be yelling at promoters to book them, all of the things, right? Yeah. All of the things. Um, you have access to spaces, whether you know it or not, yeah. that I might not have access to, that several folks in the audience might not have access to, just because you look the way you do. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just did a panel at Output a couple of weeks ago that was called Race and Music, and we had Jeebok and Cruella and Mork Kismet and Spencer Brown talk about their experiences. And Jeebok said that he often goes to festivals where he's booked as one of the headliners, and he goes down to the green room, and security asks, oh, are you a rapper? What artists are you here with? 
Wow. And that's just something that he has to stomach and be like, nah, man, like, I'm on the lineup, you know? Like, I'm the artist. Uh, that's crazy. And, you know, and that, that happens to me a lot, too. I yeah. go to a show, and people are like, who are you here with? Not, not you know, like, do you work for the venue? Um, you know, I'm, I walk around with, like, a massive backpack all the time. I'm not like, <laughs> You're <laughs> obviously a DJ. Yeah, that's how you know. I, I have friends who are women who are uh, managers and... Uh, like one of my friends at was with um, I almost said their name, but a big dubstep artist that they manage, and they were at TSA, and the TSA person made a joke because they recognized the artist, and they were like, "Oh, are you his girlfriend?" And, and not even considering for a second that she could have some part of his business dealings. Right. Um, so to that end, I think that if you have a platform, you have a responsibility. I truly believe that. I. I don't think that we shout into the ether. There is an audience. There's always an audience, no matter if it's big or it's small. And if you have the opportunity to raise up someone who might not have that audience, might not have the opportunity to get that same shine, then it is your responsibility to help open the door for them. Absolutely, and I got you on that. I always try and have people of different races, ethnicities, whatever it might be, male, female. And that's a thing, too. You said, like... I don't want to be known as a female DJ. I want to be known as a DJ who loves being female. Right. And I think there's power in that statement because that's the truth. Yeah, and I think that that's it's a subtle distinction, but I'm not trying to, like, all lives matter the situation. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like, ah, you know, plur, everyone, we just need to, like, respect one another, and we're yeah. all human beings. Like, no, I think we need to see each other's differences but not be defined by them. Like, I think it's important for me to be like, I'm a woman who's a DJ, but you should not treat me differently because of it. Yeah. My friend is a DJ and he is black, but you should not treat him differently because of it. Yeah. But you should recognize that we have different lived experiences. Yeah. So. True. Yeah. And I think especially in Chicago, too, we mentioned earlier, Chicago house music was built upon framing a safe place for people in the LGBTQ community and also especially in the black space too mm -hmm. to give them a place to be with each other and well, I still, they, they I, created that space they so did they had to, they had to. Yeah. yeah they had to yeah. and my point is that I still feel that today more than ever mm -hmm. and like I love playing in different parts of the city Boys Town and Lincoln Park and Wicker Park where there's mm -hmm. and not to talk shit about River North but I'm gonna talk shit about River North <laughs> And Clayton over there, too. He knows this better than anybody, and we've had a lot of good conversations about this. He's been on the podcast, and we discussed that River North has become a gentrified area, and sure. you only get one size fits all there. And it's tough to be a DJ. This guy right here plays a lot of places downtown, and he's only allowed to play certain types of music. And sure. People don't want to come to certain parts because they know they can't be themselves. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, I think I'm lucky enough where I'm at the point where I can say no to a lot of things yeah. so the, the events that I say yes to are the ones where I know I get to play whatever the fuck I want <laughs> oh fucking <laughs> yeah. it didn't happen overnight though no <laughs> I think we're all trying to get to that that's amazing so you mentioned your productions earlier um, Arvin Van Buren's Ping Pong you've also released on Dim Mac you've also released on Flamingo but there's one thing I want to bring up really quick and I think it's so cool mm -hmm. it's hilarious Diplo hates oh. you I bet a lot of people didn't know about this, but Danny made a song called Diplo Hates You and made a music video with Diplo in it. Mm -hmm. 
Because I asked his management if he would do it. And, and they said yes. She emailed them. She emailed them, just like when we talked about earlier. I mean, come on, you got to tell the story. That's incredible. Wait, do you, do you know the story? Really? I know the story. Yeah. Do you? I do. Yeah, oh. you met him in Las Vegas because he came into the DJ booth. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, you took a picture. He took a picture. He, he took was, a... He was drunk and started playing around with the effects while I was playing. <laughs> oh! God damn it, Diplo. But it was hilarious. <laughs> I, I was so bewildered and amused by the situation that I kind of right. just let it happen. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I, I sort of demanded that he take a selfie because I was like, if I'm going to let him do this. I need for this to be documented because yeah. no one's going to believe me. Yeah. So he takes a photo, and I very distinctly remember it was like an old-ass Blackberry. <laughs> and he sends it to me. I still have the selfie. It's awful because he's wasted, so he misses 90% of his face. And it's just <laughs> the tip of his nose. And then all of me, giddy as hell. That's so funny. And, but he emailed me the photo, and the header of the email was, Diplo hates you. Yeah. And I thought that was really funny, so I was like, I'm gonna make a song out of that. Yeah. And we did. And then he he was in the video with a gorilla suit and stunner shades. Yeah, it's a pretty great video. I really (laughs) recommend you guys check it out. Let's cut to Diplo Hates. Thanks, Suzette. That's my video editor. She's uh, based in South Africa. Massive shout out to Suzette. Little little uh, tidbit. Um, There is a person in that music video who's wearing an astronaut helmet. I know who it is. That's Pete Lenz. Pete Wentz was in this music video, too. And that was in 2012, and it's just wild yeah. to think, like... Pete Wentz is also, like, literally the nicest human being. <laughs> he used to do Vloghouse, like, back in the day, yeah, and I would post his tracks that he did with BB Rexa. And uh, he ran a club night, um, and he, like, he never forgot me. Uh, and then when, when Fall Out Boy came and performed at Wrigley Field, Field when they were doing their yes, last you tour, opened. he called me and asked me to open. God, I was wondering how the fuck you got that gig, because yeah. it was so cool. Because Pete asked me to do it. He's, he's the nicest. It costs nothing to be nice, guys, once again. Yeah, literally. And then I remember standing, we were standing in the audience um, while they were playing back by the, the sound booth. Like, yeah. Machine Gun Kelly's, like, right next to me, and we're... <laughs> right in the sound booth they go on and Pete Wentz gives me the biggest shout out and he's like big ups to my friend Danny for opening up the night and I started crying I was like I'm at Wrigley Field and Pete Wentz just gave me a shout out on stage it was magnificent it was so cool that is like the most Chicago legendary thing like goals AF so Chicago did you have a Chicago dog? Chicago dog. What, did you hear what I just said? What the hell? Chicago, Chicago. Chicago dog. Chicago dog. <laughs> you have a Chicago dog over there? Look, we all know the best Chicago hot dogs come from Home Depot. <laughs> That's a simple On fact. North yeah. Avenue. <laughs> I've actually been there recently. I don't know why I didn't get a Chicago dog. Fire. Next time. I was buying succulents. You like plants, don't you? You have a lot of plants. Yeah, plants. I actually, I got my husband three houseplants for Christmas this past year. Are they alive? They're doing well? They are. They're thriving. It's the first time we've had plants, and like not fake plants, like real plants. So he's better house. with plants than people currently. Uh, and cats, sure. <laughs> yeah. Bye, if you're watching this, which I know you are. Come on, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like a lot of people got into plants over the past year and a half, Dude, too. Dude, it was so wild how there were waves of things that sold out. And they, <laughs> it always felt kind of unexpected. Yeah. Like, 
Okay, sure, toilet paper, right? Like, we're all right. looking at necessities. But then bikes. Bikes, custom bikes were sold out for a really long Still time. Still are. Yeah, and then houseplants were a thing that were sold out for a long time. It's just, it's interesting to see the waves of demand for certain things. The humans work in similar ways. Like, yes, we do. There's a lot of group thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Danny, I want to I finish on hearing more about your new position as the Chicago president yes. of the Recording Academy. And for those that don't know, the Recording Academy is the group that puts on the Grammys. And I think a lot of people don't actually understand what that is, and I wanted to just get... They don't. They Even don't. less people know the term Neris. It's true. Mm -hmm. And especially as it relates to dance music culture, um, I'm trying to remember what you called it. Pre-tet? Sorry? Dance music. Yeah. Grammys are yes. not actually televised still, right? Oh, yeah, we're pre-tell. Pre-tell. Yeah. yeah pre-tell. Mm -hmm. So what are you trying to do as president of the Chicago chapter then? Um, uh, that's a really big question. It especially is. because we, uh, we're having our first board meeting next week, so I haven't Woo! even set an agenda Woo! for everyone. You're going to so crush gonna... this shit. I think well, we all know that, yeah. I'm going to try and be broad strokes because I, I owe it to my board to yeah. set the formal agenda to them first. <laughs> but, <laughs> but part of part of what I want to do, which I'm, I'm following in very important footsteps, by the way, the person who was president before me, was Jay Ivey, who is one of the most prolific spoken word artists that we have in the city, and he was the first spoken word president in the history of the Recording Academy. And he cares very deeply about his work. And also, because he's a spoken word artist, he always gave the most amazing speeches and monologues <laughs> at our meetings. That's so good. So I'm a little afraid. <laughs> Uh, but I want to bring that same level of care that he did and the same lens of trying to bring up underrepresented communities and make them want to care and to be involved and to show them that it is actually possible to change an entity that a lot of people believe is a dinosaur in, yeah. in some respects. I think recently a lot of people disrespect the Grammys because of, I think, The weekend he didn't get nominated or It had whatever. nothing to do with The weekend. People well, made the correlation. I, I can't I speak to... I'm uneducated about yeah, it. Yeah, I can't thing. speak to any of it, but I can, yeah. all I can say is that um, it was an unfortunate correlation that The weekend said things that he Very did, presidential then, of you. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, you know, we've been working really hard for the past few years to diversify this chapter in general because it's called the Chicago chapter, but we're really the Midwest. Like, we cover 12 states. The Chicago chapter covers Indiana. It covers Minnesota. Um, it covers Ohio. It covers, like, all of these places. We covered Detroit, you know? And there's so many people that don't even reach out to apply or to see if they can be a part of it because if you're from Detroit, do you want to be part of the Chicago chapter? Right? No. Right? <laughs> you want to, so we've been trying to see, there have been a couple of proposals to try and make it the Midwest chapter. Uh, we're a legacy chapter. We're the third chapter, so there's a little bit of resistance on that front. But I do, wow. in, in personal messaging, I try to let people know that we really are the Midwest chapter. Um, Hugh Cleal from Golf Clap is, yes. is an advisor to the board now this okay. year. Um, Gene Ferris is a governor. On the, the board this year, Gene the governor. I Gene like the that. governor. <laughs> yeah, and and frankly, three of us representing dance music—that's the most diversity we've seen yeah. <laughs> on the board in that respect in a very long it's amazing. time. Amazing. 
so we want to con continue to show that it is possible if you just raise your hand and you say, I want to be a part of that, I want to advocate for change. Uh, so many people that I've gotten into the academy have effectuated change in very positive and meaningful ways. Hugh Creel is on our advisory board um, for um, advocacy in DC, but he helps to um, to talk with reps like at a national level for, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> Hugh cares a lot about dance music. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael Brune, who's a, a Haitian dance artist in New York who Amazing. I signed up, um, was uh, the co-author of a proposal that got passed this year to create a new category for best global performance, which meant a lot to him because that, that's what he would submit for. He's a special producer, yeah. He's a special producer. Yeah. So I, I'm really trying to get people involved who are going to put forth a little bit of extra effort and then see the returns, see the gains on it. Um, so that's really what I hope to continue to do on a larger scale, yeah. is to just show that this is a place that really is for everyone. We are not the recording academy um, that your parents knew. <laughs> we, yeah. we represent uh, a new face that is youthful and vibrant and open to change and open to saying, these were the rules before, but fuck the rules. We're going to do things completely differently now and build something that we're all going to be super proud of. Amazing. And congratulations to you again on, on earning that position, truly. Thank you. You're a great representative of Chicago and the Midwest and everybody involved. So cool. And if anyone has more than 12 streaming credits, you should look into signing up and being a voting member of the Academy. Answer my question. <laughs> How do we get involved? Amazing. So cool, though. Yeah, no, there, there is a, a, a litmus test you, that you have to um, you have to pass. You have to have a certain number of credits in the same okay. sort of category. So, like, most of my credits are producing and engineering, and they all have to come out within a certain time frame. So you have to show that you're relevant and that this is, like, your main thing. Yeah. Because the last thing that they want are more people that are, like, a dentist, and they released an album on the side with their friends like two Whoa. years ago. Do you know what I mean? That would technically give them enough credits, but it's not their main thing. Are there dentists out there that are producing music? I mean, there's a lot of people that have full-time jobs, but they have a band on the side. That's true. Gotcha. Yeah. What would it take to get dance music on television, then, you think? It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you have to look at it in the context of... Yeah. Um, they televise maybe about a dozen categories. That's true. That's and true. four of those categories are four categories. Album of the year, song of the year, right? The super important ones. And we have almost 90 categories. I, I don't know what the exact number is because we added some this year. Wow. So it's probably just over 90 in total. And I would say that there are categories above dance music that should be televised that aren't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but categories like... Uh, like rock aren't really put on the I don't think they're even on the telecast anymore and that was phased out wow. maybe five years ago as hip hop became more popular so then because yeah. it's all about the ratings right they want more people to watch and uh, so if you've only got eight slots to fill out of 90 slots you're going to pick <laughs> yeah. you know the people that take up the most space <laughs> on the radio so true it's not us I mean like I hate to say it but it's not us it's interesting to me because the electronic music industry is worth about seven Point one billion dollars right mm -hmm. now, and I don't think a lot of people look at the credits. And I've heard you talk about this a lot about Spotify, but I don't know how many people 
appreciate the fact that Lady Gaga's new album had Axwell and Chami and Burns on there, and S.G. Lewis produces a lot of Dua Lipa tracks. So when I think about dance music getting on television, yeah, but thinking, how does the average person know those? That's names? what I'm saying. I, I, that's a hill I can't die on either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have to recognize that the level of dedication that we have toward music, yeah, yeah, yeah. is not. The Nobody way else every, cares. You guys yeah. care about that. I care about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, people have different hobbies, right? Like the same True. way I feel about music is probably how a lot of people feel about cooking or knitting or any of the other things that they do like in their day-to-day life and yeah, true. music is just something that they consume when they turn on a Spotify playlist and they turn on the radio in their car and I have to be okay with that I have to be okay with the fact that people don't know S.G. Lewis and do a late song and I'm going to a show front row November 26th at the Rib, okay? Oh, but I love Dua Lipa. Me too! That's what I'm saying! <laughs> Gotta know who made the beat. Anyway, Lady Gaga's new album is fire, too. And she always picks amazing producers. She does. Mm-hmm. I literally got Chromatica on vinyl. Actually, my girlfriend's mom got it for me because... What? Yeah. Thank God you're here. You've been a great point of conversation for me. <laughs> But yeah, those those are things that I care about. But I think it's interesting because there are so many dance music producers mm-hmm. that make the songs for the Grammy, you know, things that get televised. Sure. Um, I think probably one of the most well-known crossovers that we have is probably Calvin Harris. Yeah. Right. That's a god. Yeah. I mean, especially in that era where it's like Calvin Harris and Rihanna and you know, oh, like that yeah. Oh, yeah. the whole mashup of him just being with like every superstar on Every the song planet. he makes is a number one hit. His most recent song, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a number one right now. I mean I'm sure. Yeah, just he like doesn't today, make anything that's not a number one. No, he's so good. He doesn't care at all. He just loves making music and mm-hmm. oh, Calvin Harris. I know. I have one amazing, super awkward photograph with him because he's like a giant. <laughs> he is. He's so tall. <laughs> and I was not wearing heels that day, so I'm smiling, but I'm like at his chest. <laughs> he's so tall. He is so tall. Um, the Scottish. Yeah. The Scottish. The Scottish. So this is Scottish. Calvin Harris. I, uh, anytime he talks to the mic, I'm like, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Danny, thank you so much for coming here today and talking with me and in front of everybody. Of course. Um, last question, what's next for you? What's what's on the horizon? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much. Uh, um, well, I am settling into the new role as president of the yeah. chapter and trying to look at what that next year is gonna look like. I'm working on four tracks right now, collaborations. The music, let's go. And it's been a while since you released a song, isn't it? Yes. And I'm actually, I, as an exercise, I'm using all output plugins. Oh! Because <laughs> <laughs> I need to learn all the ins and outs. <laughs> yeah. uh, we didn't even touch on that, but yeah, I'm, edi- I'm also editorial director at Output. Um, well, this could have been a seven-hour interview. It was up to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but our, it's funny because Arcade, which is the flagship product for Output, right. 
I found out about Arcade years ago, opened it up once, and I have a traditional piano training background, right. and I didn't realize that it doesn't work like a piano, and I got super frustrated, and I was like, <laughs> fuck this, whatever, I'm just going to let the 30-day trial elapse and go back <laughs> to the stuff that I know how to use. Yeah. Um, and now I don't really have that, well, I do have the option technically, but I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm actually going to learn how to use tools, and now that I'm not so frustrated, or I'm... <laughs> allowing myself to be frustrated but work through it and figure out the solution yeah the tools are super powerful um, and I'm having a lot of fun with them so for anyone that doesn't know arcade is like if you had splice in a plug-in in your DAW and you never had to leave and you could actually choose your samples and manipulate them within the plug-in like chop them up reverse them wow. sign all sorts of macros do all of this stuff without ever leaving the plug-in and they, they deliver fresh songs, or fresh uh, samples, every single week. So Damn. every time you open it, it just syncs up with the cloud, and then it's like, oh, here are two more new songs for you. It's really cool. Holy shit, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Gotta check that out. Flynn, did you take notes? You guys are okay, you guys are chatting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, are you serious? Really? We gotta send it to Danny. I'll show you. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, though, Danny. I mean, yeah. So we're. I don't know. I, so that's what I'm. I'm working on all of that. So basically, what I'm yeah. doing, but just times ten. So for, I'm also in the process of expanding my division at output. Um, yeah. Because it's been so successful, so I'm hiring underneath me now, which is nice. Yes! Yeah. Contributing to the music economy. Yes. I'm creating jobs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Guys, let's make some noise for me and be real quick. Uh, Who's this guy to join in the back? I like this guy. <laughs> hey, man, what's your name? Vivek. Vivek? Vivek. Vivek? Yeah. Vivek. What's up, man? I'm sure. Go to shirtonthebooth.com for all brand new episodes. <laughs> That's all we got today. Thank you so much. Of course. I appreciate it.